0: Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back, Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Corey Feldman. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah! All
1: (laughs) right! Those are your fanfare. (laughs) Listen, you can give
0: me as much fanfare as you want, Corey. What what is going on today? How are you? Go,
1: David, go! What's going on? Um, well, let's see. I am preparing for a very exciting photo shoot uh, today uh, with this legendary photographer. Who I'm so excited to be a part of his work because he's doing an exhibit with Jane Goodall, which is very exciting. So I'm going to be part of this, uh, I guess, you know, um, exhibit that's going to move around. It's going to be a rotating exhibit that's going to change locations and it's all going to raise awareness and money for the Jane Goodall Foundation. So, very excited to be a part of it. And this guy's like photographed every legend in the world from, you know, Pacino to De Niro and all that kind of stuff. So, I was really, really honored and flattered to be asked to be a part of it.
0: Wow. Well, listen, yeah. you have your amazing background behind you. I want to talk That's all right. about Love Left 2.1 and the Corey Hologram. But before we get there,
1: <laughs> the Corey Hologram and my new single, my new single, come back. Here. Mm.
0: and your new single and the box set but you know before we get to all this current present stuff
1: yeah. here's
0: my thing when you look back i mean you have been in the business since really the beginning age three like do you have memories of that like you know early time in your life at all i mean i i, 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 I can't thanks
1: for the memories no, just joking. um <laughs> yes i remember everything I remember everything. This is like an elephant's mind up here. It's crazy. I remember everything, every detail. But of course, there's holes. You know, there's going to be things that you don't remember like every single day. But there's those key moments, pivotal moments in your life that I think we all remember. But uh, some people, I guess, their memory starts at five or seven or ten. Mine starts at three.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm totally jealous. I don't know when mine starts, but it's way past three. Let me just put it really? that way. Really? Yeah. What's your first memory? It 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 never used to be that way, you know. So I yeah. don't know. But like the older I get, um, like I remember like various strange things about early childhood, but like high school, like teen years is really, isn't that crazy? Really? Yeah. Really?
1: So there must be something there. I, have you ever done any like therapy to try to go back and see what you might have going on?
0: I, I, I know. I mean, like the logical sense is, listen, did I have a happy childhood? No. I mean, like I was bullied. There you, go. I, I, there you I, go. I know. I, I know. Right. I didn't There's... either,
1: but I just chose not to block it out because I knew it's some, for some reason I, I think I knew internally that all of it would be important data later on. You know what I mean? Like, it was it was a very weird existence for me as a child because I always lived in a kind of a third-person reality, um, if you can imagine that. But, like, as a kid, I was severely abused, and not just by being bullied at school, but also abused at home in many different ways, and tortured, and all kinds of really messed up stuff. So, like, when you have that kind of a really painful existence, I guess there's two ways to go about it. You know, you can either block it out, or you can really... Kind of take it in and focus on it in a way that like you internalize it as a third person perspective which is what i did uh where i saw myself from from another perspective as like man this kid is is being treated really badly and this kid doesn't deserve this and i know there's people out there that are watching this and i had this idea and this is crazy because it was long before uh reality shows existed or anything like that. But I had this idea in my mind that there were like hidden cameras inside my house that were like space age, like future tech cameras from like another dimension. And that people were like watching or maybe not even people just beings were watching this experience that this kid was going through and like shaking their heads like this isn't right. This isn't right. But making me go through it anyway. So that was the way I internalized it. And maybe that's a little crazy, but I guess that was my coping mechanism and how I dealt with it. So for me, I always knew, I guess, at some point there would come a time where these stories did become relevant. And it is important for me to share my experience, uh, hopefully to help another kid go, you know, keep from going crazy. I don't know.
0: Wow, I mean, and hey, maybe you were just ahead of your time, I and mean, with reality TV, like there you go, you you like invented it in your minds thirty years right. before it's come. basically,
1: basically, yeah. And then what happened? I did the first ever celebrity reality show. Uh, I ended up doing the first ever semi-scripted reality show where it was like not really reality, but we made it look like reality for the purposes of entertainment. Um, you know, I mean, so I was kind of on that that cusp of it you know the, the cutting edge of of the the changing times when it happened and maybe there was something to that maybe because I was so comfortable already with the idea of being watched all the time in my mind and maybe that also came you know as some kind of an external fix from you know the unhealthy mechanism of being in front of cameras since you're three years old you know that's not a natural thing either so maybe that was a, a development skill or a, a you know a skill that I learned to deal with things. So um, whatever it was, the bottom line is I definitely had forethought and foresight into the idea that this abusive child that I experienced was not right and was not the way that kids should be treated. And it gave me great insight to how I wanted to raise a child in the future, which of course I have now. And my child is turning 18 this year and yay i've done it successfully you know i've actually managed to get him through 18 years without being put in jail without uh going to rehab without you know getting arrested without uh getting in trouble getting any girls pregnant like literally i've done
0: i've done well <laughs> wow know? yeah so that's very grateful. that's really hard And his mom
1: too gotta give credit to the mom i mean you know we it took a team to, to make it happen but at the end of the day we've made it happen
0: what about what do you say to because look like anyone that's in the business like at three years old like you you know I think of like the Olsen twins like you obviously don't wake up and say this is what I would like to do today as a child
1: correct correct
0: so what do you say I guess first to parents that decide to you know like what is the motivation I mean is it just basic money like I mean I know that that's is that
1: sadly sadly for a lot of them it is but it's that lure, man, that lure of that star power and I wanna be famous and I want, you know, I want my kid to be famous. If I can't do it, if I've missed my calling, then let me do my kid. My kid's so cute and they're just an offshoot of me anyway. So let's make them famous. It's all ego, man. It's all ego and pride and 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 just this whole disturbed outlet, you know, for parents, which which is not fair and it's not right because think of it this way. The parents don't have to be famous for the rest of their lives. They're not the ones who are going to be recognized every time they walk down the street. They're not the ones that are going to get fought at if they don't work out as a child star and end up having to work at Taco Bell. You know what I mean? Like, who pays the price? The kid pays the price through the rest of his life, and it's all because of your selfishness. Because of your selfish, you know whimsical idea that you want this or you want that whether it's money or greed or power it doesn't really matter but it's still selling your soul that's the way i look at it now as far as you know kids being in the business it's a gray area look life imitates art art imitates life at some point if you're going to create films about families there's going to have to be a kid there right because otherwise how do you make it work so there's got to be a fine balance i'm not saying that i think that kids should never be a part of the entertainment industry but what i am saying is that i think that you know, kid shouldn't be made a star before they're 10 years old and they shouldn't be given a contract for millions of dollars and all that kind of power and money and shit before they're 10 years old. It's insanity. You know, think about it on a realistic term. Who does that? Like who puts their kid into that and forces them into that and like beats them if they don't do well. And like, it's just all so crazy. And you look at the look in these people's eyes, a lot of the mother's eyes, and they're just like, ah, like they're gone. You know, and, and it's a scary thing. So I think that, that my advice would be, look, it, if you want, you know, if you really feel that your kid needs to be there because they've got some otherworldly talent or that's their dream and they talk about it every day without your influence, without you telling them what to dream, but they just literally wake up on their own and go, I'm going to be a movie star or I'm going to be a rock star or whatever it is, you know, then let them, you know, play out that fantasy. And if you really feel that you need to endorse it by putting them out there, then fine, let them do a commercial, let them do two commercials, let them even do a TV show here or there. But that's it. That's it. Cut it off. Don't let them become super famous because you're robbing your child of their experience. It's one thing to have like something to do like a school play. You know what I mean? You do a school play, you do a commercial, you do something here and there, and it doesn't affect the rest of your life. But if you do something like, you know, a hit TV series, you're going to be remembered forever. And, and that's a price that that kid, that person is going to have to pay in life. And um, it's just not fair. It's selfish. That's the way I look at it. It's very selfish.
0: I mean, it makes sense. and like not to be, you know, I'm from New York. So I just like, maybe I'm jaded, but I, other than money and fame, I don't understand. There, there can't be really any other motivation at that age for a parent. There just can't be, right? I mean. Right,
1: exactly. And the other thing you have to look at is, you know, look at all the bad stuff that we hear about coming out. Is it worth taking the risk? You know, what if guys like me are right? You know, I'm sure there's plenty out there that are going to say I'm lying or that, you know, my story's not credible or whatever, even though I've been telling the same story my whole life and I've never changed it once and never wavered. But, you know, there's still an army of haters out there that try to publicly defame me and defraud me and and all kinds of stuff all the time and constantly try to say that my truth isn't my truth. And, you know, it's how dare they, but whatever, you know, let them have their fun. The bottom line is the truth is the truth. And there's only one truth and God
0: sees that. That is true. So when did you decide, you know, you're put into this? When did it change for you of like, wait a second, this really is what I want to do. Like, was it your teen years? Like when we got into the eighties, was it before that? Like, when was it like, Wait a second. It was,
1: it, it was never, this is what I want to do. It was, I have no choice now. You know, I'm either going to fail at this life that I've been built, or I'm going to find a way to work with it and make it work for me. And that was kind of more or less the, the idea. What happened was um, when I got sober, you know, when I got sober when I was 18 years old, 19 years old, I went into rehab in 1989. I was in there for 10 months and got out at the very end of 1989, and that was when I was sober. And um, it was December, I believe, of '89. Either December of '89 or December of '91. I, I always forget. But anyway, <laughs> right around then, uh, I got out of rehab, and um, it's like a crossroads because I had been publicly smeared. The media had destroyed me. You know, it was like I made this this mistake, which was called. Being drugged by a pedophile who decided to destroy my life by drugging me and taking control of me. And because of that, I became a drug addict. And nobody asked why. Nobody wanted to know why. Nobody cared about the inner pain or the turmoil or what I'd been through. Nobody had any empathy or sympathy for what I'd been through. They were like, you're a drug addict. Screw you. This kid's going down. And that was the way it went down. So at 18 years old, they had basically written me off. My life was over. My career was over. I would never get another leading role in a A-plus theatrical motion picture studio film. To this day, still hasn't happened. Still has not happened. I've put out a lot of movies in the last 20 years. I've executive produced movies for Warner Brothers. But even though it was a studio film, it was a direct-to-DVD studio film. You know what I'm saying? Like, There's always a catch. But But when's the last time you know, a network or a studio has said, hey, it's the Corey Feldman film. It's a Corey Feldman movie. It's a Corey Feldman TV show, whatever. No, it doesn't happen. Why is that? Why is that? Because there's a stigma because I did drugs when I was 17 years old and got sober by 18. I got news for you. Everybody does drugs in Hollywood and they're still doing drugs and nobody even mentions it. They get away with it as long as they don't see anything. Put the blinders on. Everybody's cool. So it's just like, it's hypocrisy. It's complete hypocrisy. But I, I later realized that it wasn't about the drugs. It wasn't about the fact that, you know, I was drugged and controlled by adults when I was a child that led me to be molested and all this stuff. Like, okay. Yeah. But it wasn't about that. What it was about was the fact that they knew that I was going to be an honest, forthright person that was going to speak the truth. And that is the biggest fear, right? That's the biggest fear. So they've been trying to shut me down, silence me, Um, emasculate me desensitize me sanitize me all of these things they've been trying to do to tamper and damper my image and my voice and my my human being because god forbid i tell people the truth yeah that's and so i've been ostracized for it you know and that's the way it goes but guess what i still keep creating i still keep giving love anyway because i'm a love being and it's all about love. And if we succumb to the pressure of self-hatred that they try to instill in you, and I mean hardcore, you know, I've never seen anything like what I've endured the last five years uh, since I decided to tell my story in a, in a documentary. You know, when I decided I was going to have a campaign and try and make the first movie, which failed, you know, we only raised like $300,000 because it all got corrupted by Judy Haim, the mother of the the child that I was best friends with that was also raped. So I, I promised him I would tell his story. And, and we told my story and we told his story and we put it into, you know, originally I was putting it into a feature film and then that just got, you know, the kibosh, it got shut down. Even though when I first made the announcement, fans rushed to my side and we had like $250,000 raised in the first 12 hours because wow. people wanted so badly to support me. And then she came in and said, I was a liar, and it was all BS, and I was a grifter, and I was just trying to get money out of my fans, and it was all BS. Like, who does that? Who does that? Like, if you don't agree with my experience, you have the right to debate it. We can go lie detector to lie detector any day of the week. Any day of the week. I'll say that again. Any day of the week. But that's said, don't you dare come in here and try and silence me and tell me that my truth and my story is not valid. Screw you.
0: The wait is over. That's right. A season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Kourtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back Hey ladies, look, I know you guys work so hard trying to keep that career together, but hopefully you are taking some time to yourselves. If you haven't already done so, you need to discover Dame. Dame is the only one-stop shop you need to discover all your pleasure with their thoughtfully engineered toys. They also have discreet shipping, hassle-free returns, and the toys are a whole lot of fun. For example, you guys are going to love the Eva. It's a hands-free couples vibrator. It's designed to enhance partner play without getting in the way. Now I got to tell you about the palm for when you're alone. Listen, exploring your pleasure on your own helps you get in touch with, you know, yourself, learn more about what you like. And guess what? That leads to better sex with your partner. And like I said, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Power up your pleasure with Palm or any of the other toys from Dame Products. Go to dameproducts.com and enter code VELVETROPE for 15% off your order that's right dameproducts.com enter code velvet rope and you get 15% off and oh hey ladies don't forget to have fun I don't blame you I have questions about the movie too but before we get there I mean I don't even want to
1: go into that I don't even want to talk about the movie that's how bad it is I don't even want to talk about it it's off the record I pulled the movie it's down it's gone I can't even like show it because the harassment was so terrible They stole the film, they pirated the film, they hacked the film, and then they went around trying to disparage me and haven't given me a shot to even give my side of the story on mainstream media. Not one journalist has gone, hmm, maybe we should try and investigate what these claims were that Corey Feldman made. Hmm, maybe we should look at the fact that his film was pirated and hacked and stolen in front of a live audience and millions of people were disappointed not being able to buy tickets but alas, a fake website popped up at the same time, sold tickets. My film, sold my stream, built a fake set website and then sold tickets to it and then gave it out to everybody for free on YouTube just to liquidate it. All of this is a story and no reporter. How can you tell me that there's no Pulitzer Prize winning, Nobel Peace Prize winning reporter out there? that would take this very seriously and do a thorough investigation. How has it not happened? Because they want to silence this story. They'll talk about girls all day. They'll talk about females being abused all day. But they will not talk about little boys being abused.
0: Period. Well, I was just going to say, because, you know, you look at like a Rose McGowan, like, you know, she had like Ronan Farrow and that's how the whole Harvey Weinstein... Exactly. And guess what? I
1: reached out to Ronan. Ronan wouldn't even help me. Ronan wouldn't even do an interview for my film, even though he was waiting on the sidelines and he admitted this himself in an interview in Esquire, how he was waiting on the sidelines to uh, basically ambush me uh, after the Today Show performance, because he was under contract for NBC at the time, working for NBC on the Today Show. And he supposedly was told by his higher ups, that he was going to ambush me and start talking to me about all the pedophilia stuff when I was in the middle of my musical performance. Like I was going to finish the performance and he was going to ambush me with it. And then they pulled him off of it at the very last second and said, you know, we decided that this is too heavy of a topic for our morning audiences, so we don't want to go into this. So we're going to just pull back off that. But we like the idea of you discovering stuff about, you know, the sleazy side of Hollywood, but can we stick to adult women? Can we make that the story? And that's what led him down the path of Harvey Weinstein.
0: Wow. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just the world still doesn't accept like this it's happening? It's not to the little- world.
1: No, 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 no. It's not the world. It's that there's a big dark power that's controlling this. And God forbid, God forbid that people actually know how dark and disgusting it really is that they're raping little boys. I don't know, I'm not saying everybody's doing it. There's a lot of good people in this industry that really honestly have no clue what I'm talking about. And they, they probably do think I'm crazy, but I got news for you. I lived my life and I saw what I saw and Corey saw what he saw. And you know, we had our experiences that we shared and that's it. Nobody can take that away from me, no matter what. And at the end of the day, it's the greatest fear. Why? Because, that would mean they actually have to go in and clean it up. That means that they actually have to go in and do something. I mean, I had a whole list of laws that I wanted to change. And there was only really three primary ones, very simple laws, very easy changes and fixes for SAG. And you know what they did? They gaslit me and they shut me down the day before I was supposed to do a town hall where I was going to you know, present these three law changes to the entire assembly. As a member of their sexual harassment committee, which then I was asked to step down from because of fake allegations made by some heinous satanic Marilyn Manson chicks. I mean, literally they were Marilyn Manson's girlfriends who were sent into my life to destroy my image and my reputation.
0: Were you shocked? Like having been in Hollywood when you were like, were you shocked all this was happening? Like when the movie, you know, you try to get the movie out in this store, like, were you shocked? Were you shocked? I guess. Dismayed
1: <laughs> is probably a better word. Um, I knew that there would be negative, you know, repercussions. I knew that there would be people trying to call me a liar. I knew that it wouldn't go down smooth, but I had no idea that I would get zero support. Zero support. I mean, they literally just treated me like I was a redheaded stepchild. You know what I'm saying? Like that was it. I was done. Wow. Done. So that's okay. That's okay. You know what? I still live in God's peace and that's okay. I have a beautiful family. I'm very grateful for my life today. And I don't need to do movies. I don't need to do movies to make me happy. That's the decision that I came to. So you would ask, you know, what point did I make the decision that I wanted to do it? Well, when I got out of rehab and I was faced with, you know, 18 years old, my career may be over because I did drugs and everybody knows it. So now that I'm sober, what am I going to do? And I had to make that decision. Do I stay in the game or do I drop out? And at that point, I made the decision that like, you know what, if it's meant to be, it will be, and it will be God's will. And if I get more movies, then I get more movies. And if I don't, then that's okay too. I'll have to find a way to be happy with Corey, which I'd never known. Nobody ever taught me that it was okay just to be happy with me. And so I finally figured that out. And, um, and I made the decision that like, that's where it was at. And it was okay if, if it was a no-go, if we were done, that was okay. And I, and I lived with that. I prayed on it. And then, of course, everything seemed to get better. I started doing, you know, little independence and I built my way back up. And next thing you know, I was on a CBS, Warner Brothers television series. And then, you know, that eventually led to a couple movies, you know, and I was in Universal's Bordello of Blood, which was a Tales from the Crypt movie, and, you know, another Ninja Turtles movie. So there were, you know, regular movies, and things seemed to be getting back on track. And then, you know, but I was always fighting this thing of they were like, oh, drug counselor, rehab guy, Corey Feldman, like they always wanted to put some kind of name tag on me that made me seem less credible, or a little bit crazy. Or, you know, the best part was 10 years after I'm sober, when they're saying I'm a coquette, you know, and I would see this everywhere, you know, bad boy, Corey Feldman, or crazy, Corey Feldman, he was probably on blow right now. And I'm like, Guys, I haven't done blow in 30 years. Wake up, smell the
0: roses. Or like the whole today show thing, like you just said, like when you were doing your music, that had a whole thing, like right after it. Well,
1: exactly. Because why? Because it was a setup. The whole thing was a setup. They were trying to justify the means of why they would put Corey Feldman on a top rated slot in the morning. Well, obviously, to lampoon me, obviously, to lambast me. That's why all the media came out with the exact same story at the exact same moment. You could read any headline from any paper within five minutes of us walking off the stage, and each one said the exact same thing, give or take a word or two. Is that coincidence, or is that synchronicity?
0: Yeah. Did you enjoy the time back when you were making these blockbuster films? I mean, like, Goonies, like, you were in, like, anyone that grew up in that period, like these are the movies. I was an abused,
1: I was an abused slave child. How would you enjoy it?
0: Not at all.
1: Right. I mean, it wasn't about fun for me. It was about, this is my work. This is my plight. This is what I do, you know? And I don't hate to break people's illusions, but the truth of the matter was I was a slave child. Okay. Now that said, I did meet people on Goonies and become friends with them and stay friends with them for most of my life. And, you know, and yes, we're still in touch today. And, and, you know, the same with Stand By Me and the same with Lost Boys and, you know, what what happened with Corey and I, we became best friends. And that was a beautiful friendship for 25 years, you know, and unfortunately people die and and people are lost along the way and it's terrible. But at the same time, yeah, the, the, the friendships that you build are to fortuitous and, and, you know, enchanting and and lovely and, and, and there's great relationships. And then you go, okay, well, where is everybody? All these relationships, all these connections throughout my life. And when I announced by the way that I was making this documentary, I went to Sundance, every single person at Sundance slapped me on the back and said, good job, Corey. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Your voice is so important. Thank you for standing up for the kids. Thanks for letting people know what's going on. We got to get rid of this stuff in the industry. Everybody, I mean, every person, news interview that I went to do, and the media was supporting me all the way up until the release date. And then all of a sudden, it was like the release happened, COVID hit, and that was their excuse to shut me down. Like, literally, since COVID, it was like, oh, sorry, we don't have time to talk to you. Wow. <clears throat> Um, Yeah, like, oh, we don't have time to talk to you. We've got to deal with COVID. There's much more important things going on in the world. More important than kids getting raped?
0: Okay, okay. And you think even with this whole like Me Too movement and all this, like you think it's just as like, we haven't come far, like it's just as bad today as-
1: Let me ask you a question. When's the last headline story you've heard about a little boy being assaulted, abused, molested or accosted on the set of a movie?
0: On the set of a movie, I can't think of one that comes to mind.
1: Exactly. So are you telling me you think that it's never happened? It only happened to me and Corey, and it never happened to any other boy?
0: No, I am definitely not saying that.
1: Okay, so then why aren't they talking about it? If the Me Too movement means anything, then where's all the boys? Where's all the boys? That's the way I created kids too, because the kids should have been first. They should have been first. And now it's time to talk about the kids. And that doesn't just mean the little girls.
0: It means the little boys, too. I, uh, yes. I mean, what was it about Corey? We
1: count. We count. We're human. You know what I mean? We're humans. We have the right to live a life and to be accounted for. You know, why should we be be discredited, disbarred, and disowned, disavowed? Because we're males and we're supposed to be stronger than that or what is the crap i don't get it
0: hollywood is an interesting place now isn't it
1: yeah well i don't know i'm not i don't spend much time there <laughs>
0: what was it about Corey ham like you know you guys were infamously the to Coreys. like i know he was i mean what drew you guys together like was i mean you were the same age like working on you know the same was it just that? Like, what was it that was did special about
1: you did you, did you? did you read my book? I did. Chor- choreography? So you know. I mean, it was everything. We were the same age, the same height, the same name with the same spelling. We were both Jewish. I mean, it was like, what was there not to be best friends over?
0: I never understood how people wear different shirts and pants and bags and shoes every day, but they wear the same pair of glasses. I personally always wear a different pair of glasses every day, and that cost me a fortune until I discovered Pear. I mean, the thing is, if you're wearing a blue outfit, don't you want to wear blue glasses that go with that outfit? If you're wearing a red outfit, don't you want to wear red? I do. And you can do that too with Pear. It's so easy, and it's affordable. Look, you pick your base frame, and then you pick a magnetic top frame, and you just put the top frame over the base frame so it looks like you have a new pair of glasses and all you did is buy a new top frame. Base frames start at just $60 and then includes prescription lenses. I know that's crazy, right? And there are hundreds of top frames and designs to choose from. You could do like a solid color, you can do hearts, you can do polka dots, camouflage. People are going to think you have a new pair of glasses every day. You don't need to look anywhere else. This really is a one-stop shop. So listen, get glasses as unique as you are. One pair, infinite style, starting at just $60. Go to PairEyewear.com slash velvet for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off at pair com slash velvet. Do you have a favorite movie that you made out of your 80s roster?
1: Yeah, Dream a Little Dream.
0: Do you appreciate, you know even though this was like you were going through all of this, like, can you appreciate, you know, like when the fans are just, you know, like, listen, you say the name Corey Feldman to a certain group of people that grew up at a certain time that means something to them. Like, can you appreciate that? You know, that you have this like rabid fan base of nostalgia and current, and just, they follow you now with all your music. And, you know, even though it wasn't.
1: I am am blessed with man. I am blessed. Okay. If it wasn't for those people, if it wasn't for the hardcore fans, I wouldn't be talking to you today. And, and not only that, but, but look at the fact that they've tried so hard to silence me, you know, that they will not let me have a normal interview in people magazine or USA today or New York times, or nobody's talking about this story. Okay. So the bottom line is promote my new album. Whereas like when my last album came out, it was interviews in Billboard magazine, interviews in Rolling Stone, interviews in People, Entertainment Weekly. This time I'm doing a lot of blogs. So they're trying to silence me. They're trying to keep my voice down. I did an interview with Stevo, Stevo's Wild Ride. And who would have thought, you know, I didn't know if Steve O was that popular, but I guess good timing because he's got a new jackass movie coming out. But uh I didn't know that either when I accepted the interview. I was just trying to you know, get the word out that I've got this new album and it's really damn good and I've got this amazing box set and it's really good and people should probably do whatever they can to try and get a copy of, of it if they are 80s nostalgia fans because it's from 1986 to 1993, all the lost footage, all the lost videos, all the lost music that I made for all these film soundtracks, which are pop icons now today, you know, they're iconic films uh um, from rock and roll high school forever to dream a little dream dream a little dream two, all these movies are represented in the box set so it's a great piece of nostalgia it's something every you know pop culture media person should be talking about and should be highlighting and yet crickets right so i was like okay i'll do steve which is probably a bit risky because he's probably crazy But, you know, it turns out he was sober and he was a super nice guy and a gentleman. And he let me get my story out to the best of his ability. And 400,000 people have watched it in like two weeks.
0: (laughs) That shows you how
1: hungry they are. But it shows you how hungry they are for the truth. People want the truth, you know, but the media just tries to shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. So I want to know when there's going to be somebody courageous enough that's a real journalist that's going to go out there and really tell my story. Hope it happens before I'm dead, and I don't know how much longer they'll let me live either, but, you know, hopefully it's up to God and not them. I know they've tried a couple times and I've survived, so uh, I believe that God has a purpose for me here, and whether that purpose is to spread love through my music and my art, or if it's to keep talking about those things, I really don't want to keep talking about those things. That's the other thing. You know, I made a promise to my best friend And I told him I was going to tell his story before he died. I said, if anything happens to you, I will tell your story. Because that's what he made me promise. And I did. And that's over with. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, it's traumatic for me. It's PTSD every time I have to bring it up. And every time they bring it up. And here's the funny thing. You know, they won't let me move on. They won't let me exist. They won't let me have my career back. But yet, even though they're mad at me because I brought it up, I'm harassed by it every single day, every single day on Twitter. Answer these crazy people who interrupt my conversations, they're blocked. I mean, these are hackers, high level, high level, well paid, 24 hours a day trying to disparage me. All they do, all they do from the moment they wake up and you can see it, all you gotta do is tweet something positive to me on Twitter and you'll see it because they'll jump in with their comments. Go look at my Wikipedia page, it's full of lies. It's the most negative, derogatory, disparaging Wikipedia page you've ever read for a guy who spent his life spotless. Aside from being arrested for the drugs that the pedophiles gave me at 18 years old, aside from that, I've never been arrested. I've never had one thing accused about me. Nothing ever said bad about me. Not a negative comment statement, nothing. Read the history books. Go back and look, find one negative thing said about me before the release of my film. And then all of a sudden, behold! as soon as the movie came out, right before it came out, all of a sudden, these girls that were in my band start saying, oh, he's a terrible person. He treats everybody terribly. He's starving us. He's doing, you know, it's just like, what? Shut up. Everybody knows that I love everybody. Like, it's the craziest bunch of BS I've ever heard in my life. And I've got a wife and kid that traveled with me on the road. Like, what do you think I'm going to be doing lewd, crude, terrible things in front of my wife and child? Like, it's insanity. It's just insanity.
0: And these people tried to, like, physically hurt you, too? Yes, yes. They tried to stab
1: me. I mean, there was a police report. There was, like, the whole thing. And then, of course, the police somehow covered it up because they were there photographing it, taking pictures of the wound. It was on TMZ. I actually have a video I sent to TMZ of the police photographing the wound, sizing the wound. And then the next day, the police were asked and they said, oh, yeah, well, he claimed that he was attacked, but we never saw any laceration. Like, I can literally post the uh, report from the hospital right now that says the reason he's here is for a laceration to the abdomen. You know, it's just like, what the hell is going on?
0: Do you I think, think that
1: very powerful people have a lot of money invested in this whole thing and they're paying people to cover it up at every
0: level? Do you think then people cause look at our this is our whole world now, this cancel culture? Like, what do you think of cancel culture? Do you think like you take like a Beyonce or you know, someone like like an Oprah with just like tons of money? Like, are there people that are just above cancel culture that are, are the people? Yep. Hi, how you doing? Do you think, like you said, like in your lifetime, some major credible journalist will come forward and say like, we are, we're doing this. Like I'm going down this road. I'm not a psycho. I mean, psychic, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I don't know, man, you know, I can't tell you what's gonna happen in the future. All I can tell you is I'm living today through my art and I don't want to keep going over the same old tracks. It's, it's old and it's tired. It's old and it's tired. Like if nothing's going to change, nothing's going to change. But I'm not Superman. I'm only a human being. And I plan to try and live on this planet as long as possible with my family, because that's what matters most to me. So, you know, if I've got a, a scrape to get by and, you know, make my art for the very few people that even get to hear about it because... I'm silenced because I'm shut down because you can't go on Wikipedia and find a real resume about me or a real bio about me. You can't go on IMDB because they've got Sharknado three in my credits. I was not in Sharknado three. Okay. People. I wouldn't do Sharknado three because it's a terrible piece of crap movie. Sorry. I'm not to say that I haven't done some stinkers because I did in the early nineties, but you know, We all make our mistakes when we're getting out of rehab and trying to get our lives together. But that said, I'm an artist these days and I try not to do anything that's not art.
0: Well, talk to me about your music. You know, let's talk about Love Left (laughs)
1: 2.1. And Cue Island. Okay.
0: (laughs) Right. Like you see, like here, here we are in New York City. I did not plan that. Right. Ever since COVID, I swear, I hear sirens all day. People are like, where are you? I'm like, I'm I'm in a dormant building. I'm up high. It's just, you know what it is? Actually, it's like, it's people stealing. It's like my Dwayne Reed downstairs. Everything is behind like a glass. And they're like, no, we we call the police like seven times a day, 10 times a day because it's like people. So I don't know. I just think that's what all the sirens are. I think it's people just trying to take like-
1: and it's, it's not sad. unsafe
0: to walk around. It's just, you don't realize that you're like, why is the and all of a sudden? And you're like, oh, I get it. That's why it's behind the plastic glass. No,
1: well, that's sad. It's, I thought it was behind plastic because they were afraid of germs.
0: <laughs> right, I didn't know. Silly so me,
1: silly so me. <laughs> I didn't
0: understand why either. I was like, and they were like, no, we call the police like all day. People come in, take things and run out. I'm like, oh. I
1: mean, it's a hard time. It's a hard time for all of us, you know? it's People aren't making the money they used to. Uh, you know, when you have a job, you don't go into the job half the time. There's nobody there. If you do go in, I mean it's just things have gotten weird, you know. But hopefully we're turning the corner and hopefully it's all over soon. But back to my music. Let's talk about the comeback king, my new single. Have you heard it yet?
0: I have heard it. And I I hear listen, I'm I'm stuck in the 80s. I love the 80s, early 90s for music. So I hear all of that in music. So I mean, I hear like that old, like you said, nostalgia 80s early nineties in it. I mean, tell me I'm wrong, but that's what I hear in like a good way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, like, look, obviously there's going to be a piece of that in my music, you know, no matter what, because it's, it's the era I was raised in, but I also write, you know, I think pretty current music. I mean, we've got, you know, Curtis young on there. Who's phenomenal and he's definitely a very modern rapper of today. You know, his dad is Dr. Gray. His dad is Dr. Gray. So obviously he's got a little bit of that in him too. But the point is, he's a, a brand new, spanking new contemporary artist. So the idea is collaborating with, you know, new artists and keeping myself on the pulse of what's happening in pop culture, you know. And, and I try to always do that, to always keep my finger on the pulse so I know what's going on. And, and I don't come off with something that's dated. But that said, look at the design. Obviously, we're releasing a lot of music from 86 to 93 that was from those days. Now, Comeback King is from the new album which is called Love Left 2, Army With Love. And it's a sequel to my first album, which was released in 1993. And that album was comprised of songs that you know were basically written between 89 and 93. But what a lot of people don't know is that between 86 and 89, I had written and recorded probably like two different albums worth of material that never made it out because of one reason or another, mostly because of the stereotype, because they always said, well, you know, if you're a, if you're a, an actor, you can't be a singer. And if you're a singer, you can't be an actor. And that's the way it was in the 80s because it was ruined by people before me, my predecessors like John Travolta and Scott Baio and you know people that you go like, I don't really want to think of an album from that person, but they did and it kind of ruined it for everybody. And so there was this, by the time I got there, because that had happened in like the late 70s, early 80s. So by the time I got there in the mid to late 80s, it was taboo and you just didn't do it. You didn't give an actor a recording deal. Um, And then, of course, by the mid-90s, that all completely changed and it was like back to a prerequisite. You had to have all three and you had to be a a multi-talented, multi-faceted entertainer. So, uh, you know, things dramatically changed. And then by the mid-90s, when I was going like, okay, so now it's cool, right? Let's do this. And then it was like, yeah, but, you know you're already established and we already know you're not a disney kid it's only disney kids that can make that crossover and you're just like what i always seem to miss the boat you know just by that much um but you know lo and behold happened. in 2016 i had a top 40 billboard hit and i was on the today show with historical performance that literally got more views than any other performance in the todayshow.com's history wow. so that was big you know and that was again because they tried to clown me and I feel like every time they tried to clown me it just kind of backfired on them and I got bigger you know and so that's why now I think they're just trying to shut me down altogether
0: What music, like you said, like who currently do you love? Like, what are some musical acts you love?
1: Um, I really like uh, uh, Tame Impala is pretty good. I love Eminem. I'm like a a real sucker for Eminem. I mean, not all of his stuff. I feel like maybe the last couple albums are a little bit kind of. What's the best way to put it? Stale. Maybe not as good as it was. Yeah, I mean, he was funny. He was genius. He was so just brilliant man you know and like I wish he would go back to more of the comedic side of his style and his writing because that's what I think endeared him to so many was the fact that he he was this tough little gangster kid that didn't take himself so seriously and that's what made him endearing to everybody um but you know hey we all have to evolve in whatever way we see fit and that's where he's at uh but um you know like I was really into um Halsey because like she's her voice is amazing she's so super talented um but then I was a little bit disappointed with you know she just kind of went to the dark side and I don't know yeah
0: Halsey yeah I I I I get that
1: yeah what,
0: what about who I do
1: like Dua Lipa Dua is really good she's amazing
0: Dua is great yeah. Ooh, yeah maybe you know who do you who do you like from like you know the eighties, like, even though your music is very current and you're working, like, do you have any favorites?
1: <laughs> I don't actually. Really? I never liked eighties music. No, I'm a big sixties. If you, you know, again, look at the artwork, right? Psychedelic. So like, very psychedelic. Love, like, the, the Beatles, the Beatles, you know, are a huge influence on me. Um, so if you really look at who my, my influences are, my biggest influences are the Beatles, Pink Floyd, and the various members of those bands individually. Um, the Eagles were a big influence and then getting into the eighties, maybe Aerosmith, but again, that's like still seventies, early eighties, but Aerosmith in the nineties was really good. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, like I said, Eminem, Lenny Kravitz, um, and of course, I like Michael. I mean, you know, there's, you know, Michael was like kind of his own thing. I feel like even though he was part of the 80s and he was the quintessential 80s, he also was very removed from what everybody else was doing in the 80s. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of love for Mike, of course. And um, um, Prince, you know, I like Prince's music as well. Prince is
0: a genius, I think.
1: Sorry, one second, one second, one second. Okay, sorry.
0: Prince is a yeah, genius. Calls- I mean, those are all geniuses, but Prince is, I think, a genius, yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael's a genius, you know, they're both geniuses, right? Um, and in in their own creative ways, too, which was what made it so amazing. But I love Genesis, Phil Collins, but these were all bands that started in the 60s or 70s. So yes, they had hits in the 80s that I loved, but if you go back to like 80s bands, let's talk about 80s bands. I'd say the only eighties band. That I still have any respect for today? Or, okay, there's two Guns and Roses and Tears for Fears. Tears for Fears literally like crossed that threshold. They kept innovating, kept changing, and they always seem to put out something that's, that's good, that's inspiring.
0: I love um, a little Tears for Fears. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and Guns absolutely. and Roses. It's like. Yeah,
1: yeah. But then the ones that I never got into is like the Pesh Mode or like.
0: The Cure. Know,
1: Yeah, I never got into like the gothic like Euro thing. I don't know. It was not really my scene so
0: Or like the pop stuff like the go-go's or stuff like that
1: Um, Not really. Yeah,
0: I mean I like the bangles. The bangles were pretty good They were good Well, I mean, you were friends with Michael. I mean, that was before your music, but did you ever get any, you know, musical advice? Like did Michael Jackson ever give you, you know, you already like, what was the best, like what's some good advice he gave you?
1: Um, Well, actually, if you watch the documentary that's in the Love Left 2.1 box set, which by the way, you can get at CoreyFeldman.net. Let me just throw that little plug in there. It's only available at CoreyFeldman.net. You can get the new single Comeback King on all the different various digital download services just to get a taste of it. But if you actually want to see, you know, all of the stuff, including the brand new documentary, you have to buy the box set. And that's available at CoreyFeldman.net. Now, in the box set, there's a documentary called Corey Feldman Artist, The Man Behind the Love. And during that documentary, I actually talk extensively and have some rare footage of me and Michael, uh, where we talk about this time when I went and visited him in Palm Springs. And. He wanted to walk my song What's Up With the Youth into CBS Records and give me a number one hit, you know, and I tell that story. Um, And, you know, yes, he was very influential. I mean, I got to be in the studio with him. I got to watch him dancing and rehearsing. And on the set of his videos, I was on the sets of The Way You Make Me Feel, Smooth Criminal, um, uh, Liberian Girl. I was in Liberian Girl. You know, so, I mean, I, I got to be around it all the time. I got to watch him rehearsing. I got to go to his tour rehearsals. I got to, I was there for the, you know, the, the 30th anniversary thing at Madison Square Garden and got to watch him and Whitney Houston soundcheck together. You know, wow. I mean, just, I've had some amazing experiences. And yes, every second that I was around him, I soaked it up, you know, and he was my, my greatest influence, of course. But I've also had the opportunity of meeting all the Beatles except for John, because he was already gone when I was old enough to know what the Beatles were. But, um, but that said, Paul, Ringo, George, you know, I've had time with each of them, uh, especially Paul and Ringo, and um, all of Pink Floyd, I've gotten to spend time with them. So what I do is I find an artist, I find out everything I can about them, I become completely entranced and enthralled, and then I make it my mission to get to know them. And once I do get that opportunity, I'm a sponge. And I, you know, whether I get to go into the studio or I get to go to their video shoots or, I mean, I got to be on stage during the wall, you know, the performance of the wall here in Los Angeles, you know, with Roger Waters. And I was literally on the stage after they built the wall and I'm standing there with John Karen, who's in my other band, Truth Movement. So we have a little crossover there. Uh, John lives in New York, actually. Great guy. Um, but anyway, so so he invited me up on stage for the second half of the show. And I'm like, this is so surreal. Like, here I am standing here and Roger's standing there playing bass and singing. And I'm just right there on the stage with them. Like, it was so crazy. And of course, the fans didn't know because there was a giant wall between us. Um, but anyway... You know, because I've been lucky enough, because I've been fortunate enough, and I feel so blessed to have those experiences, I'm never going to let those experiences fall by the wayside as a meaningless experience, I'm going to take that opportunity and rise to the occasion to soak up as much as I can, learn as much as I can become, you know, just grateful and and inundated with the knowledge that I can derive at that moment to get as much as I can possibly get to take into my process and go well what would Roger do or what would Michael do or what would Paul do or you know and and that's learn from the grades
0: the wall is still one of I mean just start to finish just I think one of the most like I don't even understand how someone creates that it's so brilliant I, I don't get it
1: otherworldly
0: (laughs) it's yeah so what happened when michael wanted to take your song and walk it into cbs records instead if i
1: if if i tell you that nobody's gonna buy the documentary man you gotta buy the documentary
0: (laughs) well okay that's that's true
1: (laughs) i think i'm giving you a, a very good uh you know breadth of information without
0: without giving any um
1: implicit details right
0: that's true what is then what's one piece of advice like that Michael or like one of the Beatles has given you like musically which just has stayed with you
1: um I think Michael would be the the one because I really asked him the most advice things Mm -hmm. like you know I asked him is it is it better to to sing on an empty stomach or a full stomach you know and he told me an empty stomach because you want You want that hunger in there, first of all. And then secondly, it's a lot easier to work more of your muscles because you're singing from your diaphragm. So you want to, you know, work more of your muscles and you can have a lot more capability to do that if you have an empty stomach If you've got food in there, then you don't get to contract the muscles as much. So you don't have as much range and you don't have as much control over your your vocal abilities.
0: Wow. Interesting. What do you think of like the current day, you know, celebrity you know like you were in it from the beginning like where do you think this world is now you know with like twitter you mentioned like right like are we you know everyone could be an insta star now tiktok like what what do you think of all this
1: listen i think it's great that there's new talent coming up every day and i think it's brilliant that people have more outlets to become famous and maybe in the end it's a good thing that you don't have to necessarily take that gravy train you know, that leads to so much destruction to get there. But at the end of the day, if you're going to really make it to the big leagues, what are the big leagues? Well, you're still going to be working within the same realm and the same people that tend to look the other way. So I think that, you know, number one, I would have never gotten the music success that I had if things stayed the way they were in the 90s. It's because of the development of digital distribution and being able to, you know, pick up your own distributor and become your own label and branch out as an artist, which is what all these platforms really give you the opportunity to do. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have two top 40 hits under my belt. I wouldn't even have songs played on the radio more than likely. So all of this is because of where we're at and the technological development and advancements that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years. That said, um. I'm just hopeful and praying every day that there is a thaw in this iceberg. And somehow people start to realize that, you know, nobody's above the law and nobody's perfect. And things need to be shaken up. Kids need to be given a voice. Children need to be given a voice so that the people that are controlling all the dark power in this industry finally have to pay a price they finally have to like you know look at consequences and people like me the underdogs the guys who've been fighting for justice our whole lives are finally going to get heard and given some respect and treated with dignity so that we can thrive again you know and i know i'm not the only one but you know what good does it do for the world if maya angelou was silenced what good does it do for the world if Martin Luther King never had a stage to speak on? What good does it do for the world if uh, you know, people never saw photographs of Tiananmen Square? Like for major change to happen, we have to open our eyes and be made aware that these, these atrocities mm-hmm. exist and they're very, very real. And, we can't shoot the messenger. We can't shoot the messenger and close our eyes to it. We have to become aware and we have to, to grasp that we can't run and we can't hide and we can't put smoke screens up and hide it in the media, you know, so that the, the, the bad guys continue getting cloaked and the good guys continue getting silenced. Because guess what? We're not gonna evolve and we're gonna stay stuck where we were two years ago where everybody was really dark and miserable and unhappy. We're going to go right back there if we don't continue to push for progress and change. We have to progress.
0: And that's a scary thought because two years ago was dark for most people. And I mean, the world is still fucked up, but we've come a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Why? Well, I, I agree with everything you just said. What about, you know, like you said, you've done reality TV, you were in the surreal life. Would you ever do a reality show again? I mean, either like
1: family. No, no. no, I'm done with that. I mean, you know, I said that once and then I went and got suckered into doing marriage boot camp, uh, family edition uh, because I, you know, I thought, hey, I've got this movie coming out. There's no way they're going to like try and make fun of a victim, not in today's culture, right? And then they did anyway. You know, I ended up having to threaten them with a lawsuit. It was so ugly. So no, yeah, no, I'm done with it. it's all. It's all Franken-biting and, and juxtaposing the truth and making people look stupid for the sake of a laugh. And I just, I don't subscribe to that type of brainless television.
0: But at least you know that, right? Isn't there some power in knowing that as opposed to, I mean, I guess- if people don't learn from it, from your story, you don't know even—I mean? I guess I don't know what I'm exactly. trying
1: to say. But... no, no, you're right. You listen. I've been—I've been the sounding board. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, I had to go through all the pitfalls, and I hope that my story is a cautionary tale. I hope that people learn from it, and I hope that nobody's ever treated the way I've been treated again, because no human deserves this kind of treatment. It's I called so equal too. rights. It's called human rights. Just because my skin color is white. I'm still a Jew and I definitely feel that that plays a part in it. I really do. I think that a lot of the discrimination that I deal with is because I'm a Jew.
0: You do. Oh, absolutely. Like how so? I mean, I'm Jewish, I'm gay. So, I mean, I get it, but I mean. I'm just
1: saying, I'm just saying that like, would the same thing happen if I was just normal Anglo-Saxon or would I have been given a second chance by now? Or is it like, Hey, let's keep him down because (laughs) it fits the agenda. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's the problem. I'll never know,
0: right? But you, think All the, know is, you think I know? You think the Jewishness know. factors into it?
1: Well, look at how much anti-Semitism there is right now. I mean, it's a major thing going on in this country, a major thing. And they act like it. It doesn't matter. But I know. I was during the pandemic. I had a mask on, and I'm in Texas, and I'm in the back of an Uber. And this guy tells me I had to get out of New York. And I said, why? He said, because it's controlled by the Jews. You know, they run everything. They control everything. They, they own everything. And I'm like sitting there broke, defeated. And I'm like, what? what? What do we own? What do we control? No, it's all BS. It's propaganda. You can't believe this insanity. It's not real. And the guy had no idea, of course, that I was Jewish. I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I just kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to get jacked, you know. But yeah. this, is the ha- this is the hate and the anger that's out there towards us. You know, it's real. It's real. So we can try and lie to ourselves and, you know, granted you're gay and you're Jewish and you understand that, that sometimes you get a look or sometimes you get a, a certain tone in somebody's voice where you just know that that is a certain level of hate towards you just because of who you are. Now, imagine if you're famous and imagine if you're going against the ropes and against the grain and everybody you see knows exactly who you are when you walk down the street. You don't think there's a certain level of hatred that's going to automatically come out of racist, anti-Semitic people? Of course there is. And of course, that's an extra level that I'm going to have to jump over another hurdle I've got to get over. My grandfather literally lost limbs uh, in the war fighting the Holocaust. And I'm watching people on the news saying that the Holocaust didn't exist. You know, that's, that's my reality.
0: And then, I mean, I get all of that. Like, I agree with all of that. And I do hope like, even from listening to this, that somebody hears, you know, cause like, I think there are people that haven't, you know, don't know your story. Like, despite the fact that you've told it, you know, I guarantee you there's people listening to this that are hearing it for the first time, but is it there also some, empowerment in the sense that like you're not canceled i mean you are they tried but like you're still putting your I'm music out canceled. you are
1: but i'm putting it out to who i mean we've sold like 40 copies of my box set like it's pathetic man well everyone it's, listening I'm, I'm to this real needs, needs to go and
0: buy they're
1: not going to though because unfortunately just one time hearing an interview isn't enough to make you go out and buy something you need that commercialism you need that reminder you need that constant advertisement. I can't get that constant advertisement. Why? Because I'm not a major studio. I'm not a major network. I'm not a major record label. I can only do what I can do. Now, before I was able to do it, why? Because the media was talking. And when the media is talking, that's as good as an advertisement, right? Because it reminds you all the time. But unfortunately, one podcast here and one podcast there is not going to do the job as much as I'm sure you have a great following. And I'm not meaning that in any disrespect towards you. I'm just saying about myself, I know that I can't sell records if people don't know my record exists.
0: No, I get, and I don't take any offense by that. It's not like the same as being on the today show. And it, that's how right. like, the media really decides, you know, people don't, I think sometimes understand like, you know, the record companies, there's, there's so many factors in it. It's like, it's all about who TV shows. You have two TV shows that premiere the same week. This one has all the marketing dollars behind it. This one's just as good. it's kind of for whatever reason, it's not the darling of, you know, the network that's kind of, well, this show failed. Well, that's, it's like, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't mean that that wasn't a great show and it doesn't mean it didn't have tremendous actors and a tremendous writer and a tremendous director. And it was all done well. I mean, take my show Dweebs, for example, in 93, we were on CBS and it was voted the number one highest voted new television show for the, from the viewers of quality television. So it was like given an award for being like the best new show because it had like heart. It had a good moral kind of fiber to it. It was about the coming age of computers. It was before its time. It was like leading the way and it was canceled after seven episodes. Wow. Cause it just didn't get the ratings because they didn't put the marketing dollars into it that they did the other shows that were on. the network, And that was that.
0: That's the end. didn't
1: matter how good it was. Yeah. It
0: didn't matter how good it was. Yeah. You know? Is there anything else you want to talk about that I didn't bring up? I mean, I always like to give people, thank you for answering um, my questions, how but about, I like people how to bring about, up anything they want.
1: How about just, I think we don't give enough credit to God in this reality. So can I just take a moment to give credit and thanks to God and say that I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for God Almighty. And when we speak of God, obviously people have different interpretations. I don't suggest that my interpretation is right or correct. But I will tell you that mine is the one of the father, you know, in the spirit and the one that we pray to on our knees, not the one that other dark forces might pray to. Uh, I believe in, in the real one, true God, and that is love and light and positive energy. And it's all wrapped into one. So at the end of the day, we need love. We need love in this world right now. If we're going to stay away from the darkness that we had. And, and the very dark era that we started leaning towards. And if we're gonna stay a positive, progressive world, and in America, a democratic society, we must cling to one another, we must cherish one another, we must support one another, regardless of our diversity, regardless of our age, creed, color, sexuality, or anything else, we must love each other as humans and we must be in God's grace. So that's all I have to say.
0: That is such a good message. I mean, I could, that's great. I think it's, that's what people need to realize because look where we are, right?
1: Enough fading, enough fighting, enough war, enough pain. You know, let's celebrate one another. Let's not, let's not tear each other down.
0: Absolutely. Life is too
1: short. Life is too short, David.
0: Well, listen, Corey, you can come back here any day you want. Thank you for giving me an honest, real interview. I mean, I know that might sound basic, but not everybody yeah. does. So that's kind of thank what I you. expected, but thank you for living up to that. Where can of everyone course. find you that wants to like buy this or just follow you? Where can people follow you?
1: God bless you. Well, they can find uh, my website, of course, Corey That's where you can buy, not just the Corey Feldman love left 2.1 box set, which of course includes six discs, four CDs, two DVDs, uh, four hours of never before released video footage, a brand new color magazine called 22 Magazine, a hologram, hologram, Corey. The whole thing is really an awesome package and a pair of sunglasses. You get a pair of sunglasses too. But not just that, we also sell my brand new vinyl EP, which was the precursor to the box set. It came out at the beginning of last year and it is a beautiful picture disc, 12 inch vinyl that we put out, which is my first ever long playing vinyl. Uh, It's got eight songs on it, very cool um and you can also buy autographed copies of like my book and stuff like that there then if you're not in the buying mood and you just want to follow me on social media you can find me on twitter at Corey underscore feldman or at Dog with a double g22 on instagram and i'm around facebook and youtube and i've got my own youtube channel and all that stuff but i spend most of my time on the gram and on the uh the twitter zone
0: that makes sense Well, I appreciate this. Much say hi to the family. Much love to you and all. And come back anytime you want. I really appreciate that. Thank you
1: so much, David. I appreciate you and God
0: bless. Thank you, Corey. You too. Take care. Stay safe out there. Stay safe out there. Stay away from those
1: hoodlums. Stay inside, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right, exactly. Thank Thank you. you. God bless.
0: Bye. Bye.